Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Carmine of Right Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by the always charming and lovable Preston Jacobs. Preston? What? What? Yeah! Game of Thrones! Really? After you destroyed it in your last review, I, I feel like that would not be the the reaction I would expect from you. I uh, I don't even know if I'm being sarcastic anymore. I don't know what's even. I'm just, you know, dis disaffected Gen Xer. Don't know. Well, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Thrones Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing Season 8, Episode 1 of Thrones, the final season called Winterfell. Uh, as always, we're available on SoundCloud you, you and mean, you, mean, you mean Episode 68? <laughs> right. Uh, as always, we're available... Wait, isn't that 71? <laughs> no, no, because it's the... Because last season only had seven episodes. This is oh. the 60... But so when, when, when... I don't know if all of you like noticed this during the premiere, but... Like, they didn't actually have the name of the episode beforehand yeah. or mm. during it. It just said episode 68. Well, Preston, and let me so, finish my, my intro. Jesus. Oh, As fine, always, fine. we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so consider checking us out on those platforms. And if you do check us out on iTunes, please leave us a review. It would help out a lot. Also, be sure to leave your thoughts and, and questions down below. We may cover them in the next episode of the podcast. Now, before we start the whole discussion, a uh, couple of things, you know, before we begin. You know, a few orders of business. Um, first off, Fire and Blood has not been canceled. We're still doing Fire and Blood as we just put, been put on hold. We will continue it after season eight is over. And, um, yeah, uh, the, the reason we've been kind of slow on these is because Preston has moved back to the United States and he's been, you know, uh, busy trying to find a house amongst other personal things, which I won't get into. But, uh, yeah. Another thing is, is that we are going to start doing live streaming before every single episode or we're going to try to and we're going to have Phil the Issues guy because he's an amazing live streamer definitely check out his channel um he's going to be joining us so it's going to be and a delightful person yeah I, I I really enjoy the chemistry between the three of us I thought because I usually think more than one more than two people in a podcast is a crowd but no yeah, he yeah. he melds in perfectly and he also is a great moderator for the the chat as well so Definitely look forward to it. The next live stream we'll be doing is on Preston's channel this coming uh, uh, Sunday, so prepare for that one. And uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's all we have to uh, get out of the way. Anything else you can think of, Preston? Uh, no, no. Let's get let's get into the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. So, um, what do you want to cover first? Because there's so much to talk about here. Oh gosh. Do you want to get do you want to get King's Landing out of the way? Because I feel like the meat and bones of this episode was you, Winterfell. So you you, you want to do it by location? Yeah, yeah. We, well, that's how oh, we've yeah. always done it. Have we? Uh, yeah, that's how we always done it. Versus uh -huh. chronological. I don't know. Versus versus what what we find most interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go. Let's go. King's Landing. So King's well, before Landing. we we get into that, what did you think of the episode overall? On a scale from one to ten, I would give it a seven point five. No, I mean it, it was a str it was it was stronger than any episode. Of last season, um, mm. it was it, really mm. yeah. I mean, it was just. Uh, it, I mean, even though nothing much happened, like it was a lot of time killing, and I kind of knew there'd be time killing. Um, I don't know. It, a lot of it was 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 um, the performance of you know the Sam Tarly actor at the end. Oh yeah, John Bradley. And, yeah, yeah, John Bradley's and and. I mean that scene by itself, um, you know, was was really a lot, you know, and so that mm -hmm. was and and the shocker cliffhanger 
like kind of was very well done you know like um uh nikolai koster uh i can never get his name i just call him nikolai 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 did did considering he had like five seconds of screen time Mm -hmm. those five seconds were were pretty well done you know like oh man this is you know so i mean it it ended very strongly yes Um, i think so too but what's give me a rating like on scale from one to ten Let's let's go let's go let's go uh, with an eight. An eight higher than my rating. I give it a seven point five. You give it an eight. Oh, oh uh, uh, well, you always you well. Um, every time I give a rating, you're always like what, and so I like bumped it up. Maybe seven point five. I don't know. Right. I, I, I'm always t- I'm gonna take off one point for every episode this season just because they killed off Littlefinger. It's it's I, it's only <laughs> fair. But um, before, also before we get into the the King's Landing stuff. Did you notice all the fucking callbacks? I made a video on all the callbacks. It was a good video, yeah. Even then, I missed some. Um, real quick, uh, are you a fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, by the way? Uh, I, I am, I am. Did you know Mac was in the episode? What, really? Yeah, he's the first guy tier, uh, that Theon kills uh, aboard the Silence. Oh, the, I mean, if Mac is killed in, in the dark, like, <laughs> does, does, does anyone know? Right. <laughs> Um, a cu- the, some of the so, someone pointed this one out, which was pretty cool. Jamie pulling off his hood is the same way he pulled off his helmet in episode one, but he, the way he did oh, it like right. is a very different Jamie apparently. Another thing someone said, which I also thought was pretty cool, is that when we see when we first see Jamie arriving in Winterfell in season one, episode one, his hair is you know golden blonde. Now when he arrives in Winterfell, there's a shade of, shade of gray there, uh, signifying that he's uh, his allegiances have changed a little. The prostitutes mentioning Eddie when they're with Bronn. Eddie is supposed to be Ed, Sh- Ed Sheeran's character from last season when Arya sits down with him. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Supposedly, that's like a callback to that. Um, and what, wait, thing, what happens to Eddie? Eddie dies. I don't know. I, I, I we didn't never they say, find didn't out. Didn't they say his like eye, eye br- eyelids? They, eyelids were burned off. I have no idea. I don't know if that's. I think it's just. I doubt that was Ed Sheeran's character's name, but I guess it's supposed to be like a call to like the actor being in the show. And uh, Theon rescuing Yara parallels Yara attempting to rescue him back in season four, and they both bury an axe into someone's head, and uh, yeah. So see, amongst amongst, see. there's so many fucking callbacks. But uh, also, bef- or or the show is really repetitive, and then you can read into a callback. <laughs> God, you're so negative. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, so you you have to admit some of the callbacks were accidental. I mean, some of them are intentional. Like, it's very clear, like, you know, the, the little boy at the beginning and, and, and everybody being lined up and things like that are all, are all uh, intentional. But, you know, some of these callbacks might be accidental. I, I think most of them are intentional. Maybe some are accidental. I don't know. I feel like with Thrones, as popular as it is, they're very meticulous in some things. Obviously, hmm. mistakes are made, but I think most callbacks are intentional. Hmm. Um, and I know we're, we're, we're getting off, like, we're still not getting to the episode, but... The new opening, I, I gotta mention it. Did you notice how it's going backwards now? Yeah, well, that was something I learned from your video, yes. Mm. I, see, I noticed the, the phrase in there, and I was like, why? Like, on my first watch, I was like, that castle looks like the Frey sigil. Mm-hmm. And then, but I was like, why is the Frey sigil in, in the beginning? Because I remember, you know, it being ancient history in the, um, in the original opening. The Doom and of so, Valyria, Rob, the, right. the, the House Sigils fighting the Targaryen dragon for Robert's Rebellion, and the crowning of the stag. Now it's the Night King's, uh, uh, the White Dragon burning down the wall, 
Red Wedding, and then the Birth of Danny's Dragons. Now, I think they fucked up on the Birth of Danny's Dragons because there's four dragons in there, not three. That's something I also missed. Oh. So I don't know what the fourth dragon's doing there, but I thought it was the Birth of Danny's Dragons because the comet is in the background. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Fourth, I mean, it, uh, is Danny in the picture? No, it's just the dragons with the comet. So, so I'm maybe, gonna go ahead. Maybe maybe Danny represents one of the dragons. Maybe that that's that's mm, that's stretching it a bit, but I guess. What, what do you think about maybe the whole... maybe one of the eggs is a twin, and one of the dragons was left behind, and she didn't notice, and just like Ghost was left behind and was almost not noticed, and this fourth dragon is out there causing trouble. What? No, when she gets to the chest with the dragon eggs, there's only three in there. Are you saying there's like a fourth one underneath the three? No, have you have you ever cracked an egg and had a twin? Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, I mean... It's, I mean, I'm not saying this is... I'm saying it's up, you know, that would be crazy, but not going to happen, but yeah. That would be, that would be, huh. Okay, I can see, I can see that. That would be... That would, I'll be honest, that'd be fucking stupid, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, let's get to let's get to King's Landing. Let's talk about King's Landing. Let's get this out of the way. So I yeah. thought the King's Landing scene was probably like the not the greatest one this episode. The, the it's the worst one this episode, I believe, because you know the whole thing with Sirs. At this point, I even said it in my review, Euron is just rapey Ramsey. Like he's just. Creepy, well, so Ramsey. so far he's not as cruel as Ramsey, as far as we know. Yeah, because he I apparently mean, he didn't torture Yara. Right. Well, has he tortured anyone? I mean, he, he's just kind of, you know, just well, he's just kind of crazy, right? Crazy and wants to kill people, but but um, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't get off on torture like like Ramsey or even Joffrey did. did. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. He he's 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 certainly if you're trying to like escalate your baddies, like he's not. He's not worse than Ramsey. We've seen worse, like, is what you're saying. Yeah. So, so in that sense, he's he's uh, um, he's a little disappointing as a villain. I mean, I do think he's entertaining on screen. I'll grant that. Like, I'm not bored by his scenes. He's 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 you know a joke. He's he's laughable, but um, he's at least entertaining. His 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 um, appearance, his entrance on the bridge was way more intimidating than he is now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they did that bridge scene really well, and then they just freaking failed from then on in like making Euron um, interesting. Right. Um, I mean, at least in the in the same way that the book Euron is interesting. Like mm-hmm. when you see book Euron, you're like, oh, like book Euron is a step up from from Ramsey. You know, he's a suave um, James Bond villain, is what I think we've said before. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. well, he's also like. He's he he does the torture thing, he does the Ramsey torture thing. Isn't there isn't but, there like a sample chapter where he ties his own brother to like? Oh yeah, and, yeah. And before before that though, I mean he he he's he he um he forces the warlocks to cannibalize each other. Oh he, yeah, like, Holy le- shit. he like leaves them around like without limbs on. He tortures his own brother. He he he, he um all sorts of stuff. I mean mm-hmm. it's uh. Yeah, well, Euron is clearly more interesting in the books, as as are most characters. But the one problem I have with this here is like his ultimate goal is to is to fuck the queen. I, I fuck the queen. I, I don't kind of I don't really get that. Right. Ver- versus like like book Euron who wants to like 
destroy the world and like you know make it a feast for crows like and just kind of eat off of the the destruction of everything benefit off of the destruction you know i mean the fact the fact that the fourth book is named for euron you know um you know means he's a, you know he's a big deal but like uh he's just not he's just not a big deal in the show i just i just haven't felt like he's he's a worthy adversary this last season definitely showed him as one. I mean, we, we've we've never really had any like naval pow- strong naval power in Thrones before his arrival. Like we, people just kind of sailed somewhere, and occasionally Stannis will sail somewhere and like attack that place. But Euron definitely shows what a good nave naval force can do. But what your thoughts on this scene? I wasn't a big fan of it. Like the whole like at this point, I'm kind of tired of Cersei. I I don't know. Like I just feel like if you've seen one Cersei scene in previous seasons, I mean you've kind of seen them all at this point. And I, I get it. She's 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 alone. She's depressed. She's just she's sad and miserable. And at the same time, it's it's very beautiful to watch in a way. I don't know. I just yeah, I just wasn't she's, feeling it. She's 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 dropped into this cartoonish villainry where. She like enjoys being evil. Like she enjoys being bad. Like she's become a a, a um, mustache twirling kind of villain who's like happy in doing things that are dastardly for no reason other than it's dastardly. You mm-hmm. know, um, like there's no reason she be she should be smiling at the wall falling. Like okay, <laughs> like. Her, her enemies are going to die. Her enemies are going to die, but her enemies that aren't even, like, you know, who haven't really done that much to her personally. You know, ver- like, it's one thing to torture Ilaria Sand, but, like, like, why should she hate Jon Snow and, and Danny and that much, you know? Or- I would argue because Jon Snow and Danny, rep- the channel Kylo Ren here, I would argue Jon Snow and Danny represent the past, that she hates the most and she wants to let it all die so she can actually move forward because Jon Snow represents someone Cersei hated the most and that was Ned Stark. And Danny represents the old era of when Cersei was just kind of a nobody. And she wants to let that die as well. She wants to let all those people who remind her of, of before she was queen to just go and, and die. And she wants to move on into the new era where she's queen and she can make everything better in her own way. Well, I wish she'd explain that, you know. Like, I don't really understand why she likes being bad. Like, you know, how they've, how they've framed Cersei is, you know, they, they frame Cersei as this, like, as this powerful, you know, as this mother who will do anything to, to defend her children. And then all of a sudden they switch her to, I like doing things because they're bad. You know, like, and that's that's a big switch for the character. Um, you know, the, the and both of those personalities are completely different from from uh, book Cersei, who is just insane on a whole nother level, but um, in, in, a, in a completely different way than enjoying being bad and doing everything for her kids. You know, um, and so I don't, I don't know if I buy the shift in her character, you know. They, they could have pulled it off, you know, with some sort of connection to the Maggie the Frog prophecy, which has been promptly forgotten. But, like, that Maggie the Frog prophecy was the way to sort of shift everything mm-hmm. and, and, like, have her, like, fall into insanity. But she, she hasn't really fallen into insanity. Not like in the book, how she's insane. You know, she's just kind of fallen into this, like, I like being a bad girl. Um, but I'm gonna, but I'm gonna look very depressed doing it. 
Yeah, I guess so. The Maggie the uh, Frog prophecy is still kind of going on because, as we saw, she's drinking again. So maybe she did lose. Because remember, we did read those season seven leaks. And yeah. the leaks said that she was going to have a, a miscarriage. Miscarriage. So right. that never happened. So, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't buy season seven. I, I normally, for the last, for the first five seasons of Thrones, I would always buy the Blu-ray. I haven't bought the Blu-ray for season six or seven. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a deleted scene where she did miscarry, but. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's odd that she was drinking and that they they didn't have any mention of it, you know. But but they did mention her child, right? Because Tyrion says um, that she has something to live for. So I mean, that's an important thing. I mean, we're, we as viewers are supposed to still think she's pregnant. Like we're not supposed to think that she's not pregnant. So um, so I mean, at this point, I just have to assume she was pregnant and was having a sip of wine, maybe to throw Euron off. It was just a sip. You know, maybe maybe she was trying to throw him off and he was thinking, well, she, you know, because because before she gave away that she was pregnant by not having wine, you know. And so maybe she's trying to, like, just have a sip of wine and as a way to, like, fool Euron into thinking that she's not pregnant. And then somehow she's going to convince Euron that her pregnancy is his, even though months have gone by. And I don't know how that's going to happen, but. I think she's gonna. I think they're gonna try to pull that off. Well, from the end of season, from the beginning of season seven to the beginning of season eight, I feel like a few weeks have gone by, but we'll get to that later. But the problem is, Jamie, Jamie impregnated her like episode three of last season, so it's it's been a while. It's been it's been a minute. Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk about with that scene, um, where 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 Harry Strickland comes in. Oh right, I was gonna um, mention the Golden Company because Golden they, Company comes in. Yeah, they have, they have like five seconds of screen time. But go ahead. Yeah, they have five seconds of screen time. They kind of look like Unsullied for a second. And then they come in, and it's very clear to me that they filmed Cersei saying that there are no elephants later. Um, oh, yeah. So so one thing I've learned like watching a lot of TV is that any time there is dialogue where they, where they don't show someone speaking, it usually means that the person had to, had to redo that dialogue in post and so harry strickland tells her that there are no elephants um while we're looking at cersei and then cersei says oh i'm so disappointed i heard that the golden company is going to have elephants and he's like oh yes elephants you know they were not good for travel and this that entire conversation happens without flashing back to harry strickland and while it's just this straightforward shot of Cersei against like the throne and nothing else, um, so I imagine like like they'd film the scene with Harry Strickland and and Euron and Cersei, and then later they were like uh, CGI budget can uh, we, we don't have it for the elephants? Fuck. Okay, let's get Lena Headey back in, pop her in the chair, film like a couple lines and then we're done and then we'll, then we'll edit it in. Like when I watch that scene, that that's what it like, it seems very obvious to me that, that, um, that it was altered in post, you know, hmm. and, and patched together. So I think they probably originally wanted, like hoped that there were going to be some elephants. And then later on, they're just like, no, no, sorry. 
I, you could also argue that the, the reason they did it is because they knew the book fans would fucking bitch and complain, and maybe they wanted to, like, give a reason why. I thought Harry Strickland's reason as to why they didn't bring elephants was perfectly, like, reasonable. I mean... Yeah, it is. It's also... I also wonder, because in the book, the elephants are notably missing, and they're probably going to show up. Um, thematically, it's just, like, it just happens to... It, you know, you, you don't bring up elephants and then and then don't have them, you know, come back later right as somebody as somebody um Chekhov's gun Chekhov's gun right Mm -hmm. so I mean not to mention like there's two battle in the book there are two battles going on at the same time where there's some missing elephants to the east and and so with in Slaver's Bay the Battle of Marine we have some missing elephants in the east and at Storm's End the Battle for Storm's End there's missing elephants in the east and we kind, of, you know, you kind of have this idea that these elephants are going to show up and and shift the course of the battle. So I do wonder if, you know, they're they're also, you know, I I wish, but I don't know, considering like the CGI budgets, but like I wish they they're setting us up like, oh, there's not going to be an elephants, but then there's going to be elephants. Hmm. I don't know, man. I I I won't hold your breath. I mean, did you see that that uh, that Disney's Aladdin? Uh... Flying in the carpet scene with John and Danny. I mean, I feel like they're really going. <laughs> we'll see. Go for the dragons. I thought the dra- I thought that the that Winterfell looked unusually bad CGI wise. Well, we'll get there. Um, do you want to okay. do you want to discuss anything regarding the Golden Company any further or Theon and the Yara stuff? Because Theon and Yara stuff seemed like straight cut. It was a nice little scene, but there wasn't really much to it. I mean, Yara. Oh, it was, yeah, it was so fast. Mm. It, 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 it was almost like they were getting something out of the way because they built this up. They built up Theon's rescue for Yara last season. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, there it was, rescued. Well, Yara says how they're going to go take back the Iron Islands, but can't Euron just take his fleet, go there real quickly? I mean, judging by how fucking travel works now, can he just go there in like a day and co- take it back and come back to King's Landing and do whatever? I mean, I, I I guess, but they also need some place for Danny to retreat, Danny and John to retreat after they lose Winterfell, mm-hmm. unless they're gonna like. So I've been thinking. Well, I mean, this this is getting ahead of ourselves again. I can't I can't do. But like, you know, where after we all kind of know that Winterfell is gonna fall, like, are Danny and John going to retreat to? Um, Howland Reed's castle. No. And uh, well, I'm just saying there's Mira. We could have Mira show up again if we mm. wanted. They're probably going to either just... retreat to uh to Dragonstone or Moat Kaelin cuz Moat Kaelin would seem like the most strategic place for them to retreat back to. It, it would logically. So you could go to Moat Kaelin and then maybe Mira could show up if you wanted Mira to show up. Mm-hmm. Um or they could you know, she had mentioned that they can retreat to 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 Pike. Um which is always a possibility. I mean, because you kind of, we kind of know that the beginning sequence is gonna show that, that that little that yellow brick road, that blue brick road, like moving down, like the map. Nice touch, by the way. I really did like that. Yeah, no, I, I it, it was very well done. But yeah, but in, in closing on that, I I was I was disappointed they didn't develop the Golden Company a little more. I would have liked to learn a little more about them, their history, um, and everything. You know, black fires or whatever. But you know, they didn't. It's just. They're there. They'll probably put it okay. in the histories and lore for the Blu-ray. They always do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, on to Winterfell. On to Winterfell. And once again, we open up with the uh, the callback to uh, Season 1, Episode 1, when King Robert arrives. And almost, you know, if you saw my video, 
literally everything is essentially a callback here. I mean, Arya sees the Hound coming in, but this time he doesn't have his helmet on, which you could argue signifies that he's not the do- he's not a dog anymore. He's his own man now. Uh, mm-hmm. A little boy looking over, you know, while the, the royal army comes in, uh, same as Bran, what, what Bran did. Winterfell yeah, is Bran yours, Your Arya, Grace. Yeah. It, could you think that this could be the show trying to tell the audience that Sansa is the true leader of Winterfell? She's the true lady of Winterfell? Because Ned, Ned was the one that said to Robert, Winterfell is yours, Your Grace, but now Sansa says it to Danny. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, Danny is, I mean, um, Sansa's definitely. Lady of Winterfell now, and no one knows. As as Lyanna was saying, no one knows what John is. Like, like what do you do when you're a when you're a king that stepped down, but you know, don't have a lordship um, after that mm-hmm. like anywhere. So, um, I guess he's just the the spiritual head of everything. So this is something I I actually wanted to to actually talk about because you said something that was fucking hilarious. You go, well, why do they care if he's king or not? He, Obviously, they're going to get married and they're in love. Is he just going to be king next week, right, in your video? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like the North is kind of like, the Northern people are kind of like the Ironborn in this sense. You know how the Ironborn philosophy is, you know, they take what is theirs. They're, like when mm-hmm. Rob sent Theon to Balon Greyjoy in season two, the letter that Rob sent with Theon was, if you help me take down the Lannisters, I will give you your the crown. Uh, to the Iron Islands or whatever, and Balon's like, yeah. piss on that. I, I'll take what is mine. The North is kind of the same way. They don't want Danny. They don't want a king who was made king by marriage. They want a guy who was made king because he earned it. And John did earn it, and now he's stepping down. And even if he does get with Danny, it doesn't matter because, you know, it, it, it's, it's through marriage. They don't want him to be king through marriage. They want him to be king because... They kind of elected him king. I guess, mm. I guess I guess this is the problem with uh, with democracy in, in a feudal era, is if when they elect you and you don't do what they want, I mean, ugh. but if yeah, you inherit I'm, the title, then it, you could you have a bit more freedom to do whatever. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine you know the fourteen northerners that are alive, but but I, I mean, I suppose that the wildlings, considering that the uh, the north right now is mostly. Wildly, well, should be. I mean, I don't know if the show recognizes this, but this, the Northern Army is mostly wildlings and Vale Lords, um, and so yeah, I guess the if we accept that they're mostly wildlings, wildlings definitely don't like kneeling. Um, you know, they, they they choose their leaders. They're not told who to who to follow and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's some you know wildling tradition in there, I could buy that. Uh, well, people are getting really fucking annoyed with the Northern Lords. I mean, like, John keeps telling you assholes that if we don't work together and ally ourselves with these people, that we're all going to die because these petty, these petty squabbles mean nothing against the Army of the Dead. And I just, I always feel like every time he explains this, he's explained it probably for the 50th time by now, they just look at him like, huh? I, I remember, um, and, and everybody's frustration I get, like... At this point with season eight, you're like, how much infighting can society like tolerate? You know, before we go, come on, would we really have that much infighting? I don't know. I mean, we've got a lot of infighting today over like really important issues mm-hmm. that aren't getting addressed. Like, you know, we could say like global warming, like in climate change, like the fact that there, there can be infighting on something that's so like obvious and needs to be fixed, you know, Um and so I guess that's what they're going for. I mean, I definitely had that feeling when reading A Feast for Crows. Like, 
after the War of the Five Kings is over, I'm like, okay, people are finally going to like, a new era is going to come in and like, we're finally done with the fighting and they're going to deal with the others. And then I'm reading it and it's like, what, the Dornish want to start a war? Like the Ironborn want to start a war? Like, oh God, like how much, I, I, I remember reading the book going, huh, how much more war can there be? Everybody's dead, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's what they're doing. You know, that's what I, I guess everybody's having that feeling too. Like, come on, how much more fighting can there be? Um, and this gets into John and Danny too. Like, it's not just like, oh, the Sansa hate and the Danny hate. Like, it's all leading up to like a John versus Danny situation, right? Yes, like, Team John episode? and Team Danny. Yeah, that's what it. Right. That's I, I like that the show is doing that. This is good. This is the show is making us question because Danny and John, well, mostly Danny, has been the protagonist since season one. John was just a character, one of the characters, and he doesn't really become a protagonist. Until season three, I would argue. Because even in season two, he was just kind of walking around. Have you noticed that about season two? I don't know if you I don't know if you binge the whole series all over again. But in season, well, season two Yeah, season two is is flirting with with, with, with Rose. Yeah. 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 So I mean, he doesn't really become he doesn't truly become a protagonist until season three, in my opinion. But Danny's one of the main protagonists since season one, and now we're supposed to question, which is great. Uh, the validity of her rule and whether or not she's a little loco because I do this, like how that's going down. And this actually gets into, so one of my big, one of my big problems with um, all of the lineage talk mm. that the fandom is obsessed with. Um, and, and like, God, like when I first, when I first joined the fandom, like that's all fucking people talked about was like John's parentage over and over and over and over and over again. And one of the things that's like frustrating about it is is the entire message of the book is that like that this feudalism and and divine right and like passing things to, to birthright is a really horrible way to rule the world. Like it's dreadful and it leads to nothing but war and conflict. And the fact that everybody's sitting there going, Oh, but if John were king, like then all the problems would go away. And and it's just so laughable. Like like, no, the problems wouldn't go away. Like, not everyone in the world is going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, no, Jon Snow, totally the, the ruler, you know, because because he found some harp in, in the crypts. And so I, I, had, I, had difficult, I had a difficulty, like, coming to, coming to terms with the fact that there is both a story that is about birthright and lineage and a story telling us that birthright and lineage is horrible and, and everything pointing to this, like, you know, important birthright of Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, it's like R plus L equals J isn't, isn't something, um, isn't something good to, to like lead to a chosen one to save the world. It's something bad. It's something to create more fucking conflict. Like Jon's birthright is creating a conflict with Danny. Like just when they'd gotten together, right. just when they'd gotten there, like their shit together and organized an army, like his his parentage is ruining it, like that's George R. R. Martin's style. Mm -hmm. Like once again, her, like once again, like the the birthright talk like is causing problems. Like it's not the solution; it's the problem. And and that's you know I think they're actually like doing it right. I mean, granted, this last season is is very based on what what George R. R. Martin said, but. R plus L equals J isn't the solution. R plus L equals J is the problem. 
I mean, yeah. I find it funny that you're saying like, you know, they're they're fighting about like John's parentage. Even the fandom fights about John's parentage. If you say like his his real parents are Ned and Ashara, Dane, people get up in arms about it. Or Brandon Stark right. and the like. People get up in up in arms about this. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even there's this there's one crazy guy I know on YouTube who thought it was uh, Ned Stark plus Lyanna. <laughs> Can you believe that? It would, be, it would be, I mean, they're not in the same place, but yeah. Preston, I'm talking about I you. I was making a joke. Cause you... Oh, I didn't, I, I mean, I said, I said that, the, that, that it's interesting theory of the incest baby. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the, uh, but the, yeah, the point is that the parentage talk and all this parentage talk, like it's a, it's a problem, not the solution. It's creating more rifts. It's not, it's not, the, it's not solving the problem. Right. Well, to be it's fair, so yeah. I do like the northern conflict here. I just wish we had more episodes to explore in some way. Maybe have some kind of coup brewing with Sansa there. I don't know, maybe. But we just don't have enough episodes to really explore it. Not to mention, I do love the flakiness of uh, some of the northern houses, most specifically House Glover, who a couple weeks ago they just declared John King in the north, and now they're like, eh, you guys, you guys do your thing. We'll stay over here. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I... All of the things, I don't know, I don't know any of the, like, how any of these relationships work. Like, how did Lyanna Mormont become, like, the most powerful Northern Lord? <laughs> like, like, the most influential one. Like, the one to stand up all the time. Mm-hmm. While, when she has no army. And how did, how did, um, uh, Bronzion Royce, like, how is he, like, 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 like when when Alice Karstark arrives, he like welcomes her into the into the uh, into the into Winterfell. Is he like the steward now? Like I don't get like I don't understand how any of these relationships work. They're looking for pe- they're looking for things for people to do. You know, you could have you could have had Davos welcoming. True, her. Davos is essentially the steward of Winterfell now. Yeah, he could be. Yeah, you know why not? He's, he's John's right hand. Why not? But um. Why not? But anyways, uh, so on the topic of John and Danny, I do like their relationship. I feel like the actors, both Emily Clark and Kit Harrington, have stepped it up to make it seem like John and Danny are really in love. And I will say, as as kind of weird as the whole like you know flying on dragons thing, which I wasn't really a big fan of, I do like their relationship. I really do. I think it's cute. I think it's adorable. It was nicely done in this episode. We needed to see something like this because last season it felt like they just you know all of a sudden, got into each other because Targaryen's incest. Right. But now I feel I mean, like I they're think, a couple. Yeah, I mean, at least they have an attempt at flirting and enjoying each other's company. Like, last season, it was it was kind of from nowhere that they that they had this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, we, you know, we made a lot of jokes about their, their sizzling sexual chemistry, <laughs> which... Um, so yes, it's it's a remarkable improvement. It's not at the same level as as um, John and Egret. Uh, oh God, chemistry. no! But I have people but, in my but comment that, section what, saying the cave scenes are are way better than the waterfall stuff. <laughs> right, but but you got to remember again, like one Rose Leslie is a much better actress than than Kit Harrington as an actor or Amelia Clark as an actor. Ooh. I mean. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if they would deny that. Like Rose Leslie is a really incredible actress, but also they weren't acting. Like Rose Leslie and Kit Harrington were really into each mm-hmm. other. So I mean, they got married. So um, you know, it, it was easy to have sexual chemistry when there was sexual chemistry. Right. You know, 
Um, while, you know, John and Danny, you know, the, it's just, it's better. It's better than before, but it, yeah, it's just not really that. I thought it was cute, though. Come on, you gotta admit that. Like they're, they're having, it was they're having a little date. But I, but I do love what you said in your <laughs> video about like, poor Ned Umber. No, not poor Ned Umber. <laughs> what you said with Bran, he's like, hey, the Night King's coming, so let's let's hop to it. Five minutes later, oh no, they're off. Uh, they're off having their own little date. Jesus Christ. I, now a lot of people were really angry that um, John just kind of jumped on a dragon and it, and that was that like there was no like there was no like it was no like big scene like it didn't feel like a big scene it was just oh what hey why don't you jump on that dragon oh what you know I mean, was he really was he really riding the dragon it just felt like he was hanging on for dear life i mean come on yeah i guess so somebody said that there was a cut line um hmm. that was uh kit harrington saying um it it he, he almost like followed my thoughts or something like that, but it was cut. Ooh, yeah. How do you feel about that line being a, cut? I mean, it, it. I mean, it was it would be a pretty big line, right? Mm. That that he has a he has a telepathic connection to the dragon, you know. Mm. Due due to his blood, you know, things like that. But uh, you think that's too on the nose for the show right now? I think I think that's why they cut mm. it. It was just a little too much, you know. Um, well, when John does learn about his parentage, uh, he is technically in front of the statues of his mother. Uh, we see her in the background, as he, as Sam tells him. But he also <laughs> learns it in front of... Your mother was Liana Stark. Pause, pause, pause. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it until I saw your video. But yeah, like for five seconds there, John was like... Did my father have an ancestral relationship with his sister? Oh, my God. I'm Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Ned did kind of keep his promise. Next time they see each other, well, I think they saw each other last season, but I'm talking about the statue. They kind of saw each other last season, but Ned did keep his promise in some sense. Yeah. When they yeah. saw it each wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't next time, but it was like, you know, the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Ned would be we'll there be when when John which, which you're Which, you know, it would have been a lot better. I mean, granted that there was... A fuck ton of scenes in front of Ned's statue so far, but it would have been nice had like the bones finally arrived, mm-hmm. and then he's bringing he's bringing the bones down, and then he's told while while like putting the bones in the tomb, mm. like then it would have been really like a parallel. Next time we see each other, see, I don't agree with because uh, you because every once in a while you have like fixing the episode or fixing the season, and some of your choices I don't agree with. But you do make a when you do really make a when you make a good choice, it's a really good choice. Like I remember last scene, uh, last season, I believe it was episode one or two when the Hound is trying to bury those people he stole from. Yeah, you you had a really good idea of like he's trying to bury them, but like the the the, the earth is like a little you know, frozen, and he it just he breaks down crying because he feels like he can't do anything right. Like that was a really good idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he you know he can't bury them both physically and metaphorically. Yeah. Like, that would have been like the best. Mm-hmm. And I the, you know bringing the bones and all that stuff is. Uh... And and you're and you're in with to my idea of Podrick being a villain, right? That was... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you notice how like. I feel so bad for Gwendolyn Christie because she was in this episode. She had no lines. No lines. I know. No lines whatsoever. She's more important than I would argue Gendry at this point, and Gendry has more lines than she does. Like even oh my god, even Ned yeah, Umber has right. more fucking lines than she does. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it was so crowded, mm-hmm. 
And Grant, I mean, and, and we're gonna thin that. We're gonna thin the herd a little, you know, next episode. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, I do feel really bad. I mean, she's had nothing. She's had nothing to do for so many seasons. I, and well, she's also had nothing to do in Star Wars. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw the celebration panel for Star Wars, but uh, John Boyega confirmed that Captain Phasma is in fact dead this time. She's not coming back for the next episode of Star Wars. So I just feel bad for Gwendolyn Christie. Her character is wasted no matter where she is. So no matter who yeah, she's playing, it's too, yeah, and it's too bad because she's she is one of the stronger actors uh, on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like she, she, she puts in, she puts in like top notch performance, you know, every scene she's in, she's, she's fantastic. And yet, you know, they, they just really under, underutilize it. Well, she's going to have, she's probably going to have a really big scene with Jamie next episode because, you know, Jamie's in Winterfell now. Yeah. I mean, she'll probably save, save Jamie, right? Probably during the battle. Yeah. Cause we did see her and Jamie on the battlements. So. But um, yeah. let's move let's move on a little to Sansa and Tyrion. Now this is a huge, huge. This is this has been making people fight each other in like Facebook groups and subreddits and huh. and even that's weird because it's such a useless conversation, right? But, yeah. But even in my own comment section, I had some you know social justice warriors come to me and you know try to rip me apart for what I said. Now I was being facetious and I was being ridiculous on purpose when I say that Sansa should show some Tyrion of modicum of respect. I mean, if I this is what I said in my video. I said if I was Sansa, I'd give him a hand job for how well he treated me. Like, I, I was being, you know, ridiculous. Obviously, I don't mean that. But at the same time, though, this is my problem with that scene. Or with, not the scene, but with Sansa in general. I don't like this attitude she has. Because her accomplishments aren't really her accomplishments as much as people like to think they are. I mean, Tyrion says we both survive. Yes, but it was mainly due to other people, not her own wit and intelligence yeah. and cleverness. It was mainly due to, like, you know, Littlefinger and him at some point in time. He saves her a couple of times. He keeps her safe. And all I'm saying is, in, in, in my review of what I said, is all I'm saying, Sansa doesn't owe Tyrion a hug or a kiss or, you know, a smile. and She doesn't owe him nothing. But it is common courtesy to recognize that when you were in King's Landing, everybody was treating you like garbage. This one guy, you know, treated you with respect. And he risked his own neck. She doesn't know this, of course, but he risked his own neck multiple times to keep your purity intact. Right. I'm not saying you should and give him a hug yeah. or a smile or a kiss, but you should show him a bit of decency. Treat him with some respect. Because the the other argument on this side, on this issue is... Um, we like to sometimes we like to forget that these characters, you know, are human beings, and Sansa has gone through a lot of shit. His in, his family is responsible for most of her unhappiness. So I get where she's coming from, and obviously she doesn't see the scenes the audience sees where Tyrion is just being a great guy. I get it, but she should still treat him with some respect. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to you. Like, what do you think, Liz? Am I, you think she should treat him with some respect, or does she owe him nothing? Um, I mean, I th- see this is this is this is the problem with the word the, the word respect. Like when people use that word, um, <clears throat> you know, there's there's like, oh, show me respect. And then there's like showing general respect and human decency that you would to like a regular person on the street, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that's linguistically why people are getting in this fight. Right. Because. You know, they're 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 when you say like, oh, she should show him respect. You're you're 
you haven't you know I have this image of this guy and this wife beater like like scream like screaming at his at his at his wife that he abuses saying oh you need to show me respect you know woman versus like oh we you know we should all show respect to each other you know and and, and human well let me rephrase it like she that. should treat him a little nicely because I felt like she treated him rather coldly when she really shouldn't have she should treat him just a little yeah. nice a little nicer I mean it it is true and and um, Tyrion. Tyrion chose not to, uh, you know, um, essentially rape Sansa um, when when everything, when everything, everyone around him, including the system, was telling him that he needed to, you know, um, break in his new wife. And she was even like, you know, somewhat accepting of that system as well. And so Tyrion, quite boldly, did not do that. Um, under uh, and, under pro, he he did not do it even after Tywin kind of threatened him. Right, Ty, Tywin threatened him. The entire system says that it should be done. He would get Winterfell and all of these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of like because Tyrion felt sympathy for for Santa and you know cuz he's a sucker for the for the uh the sob story he didn't do it. And yeah, no, I considering that the entire system and all these people around him were pressuring him to do that. Yeah, I mean, I do give I do give Tyrion props for that. It's it's one of the nicest things he's ever done. Um considering that Tyrion is a horrible person for the most part <laughs> <laughs> in all of these other situations. I mean, in the book, you know, he's a rapist later. Um and a murderer and all sorts of horrible things. For for our, for our show only only audience, when does Tyrion actually do these horrible? Th- like when does Tyrion rape someone in the books? Uh, in the books, um, Tyrion uh, goes to a whorehouse and uh, in Essos mm. and proceeds to have sex with a prostitute uh, first consensually, um, and he then he then ends up like vomiting and um, it's very clear that the that the prostitute now uh is disgusted by him and he proceeds to get back on top of her and uh forces himself upon her uh in a in an anger vengeful sort of way mm-hmm. like he decide he decides that he hates this woman because she's looking at him in a disgusting fashion and he he jumps on top of her and has you know non-consensual sex with her um and some people would no. I understand some people would argue. Oh well, you already paid all that <laughs> crap. But I mean, no, the scene is definitely there yeah. to, to to paint Tyrion in a in a, in a bad mm-hmm. light. Um, so yeah, no, he's a bad guy. Uh, not to mention the fact that he strangled Shay to death and, and killed his dad. Mm-hmm. So, and, and but in the show, I mean, things. so you agree that Sansa should show him just a little bit of kindness. I think she. I think she should show him just a little bit of kindness for considering that, and maybe she she's not aware of how much trouble she caused Tyrion, and 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 how, and how much he protected her afterwards. Because afterwards, at least in the book, they're all like, "Why don't you implicate Sansa?" And he's like, "Nah, I can't. She's my wife." You know, and you know. The, you know, there was a protection thing where he could have just blamed Sansa mm-hmm. and been like, "Oh, it was all her. I saw her put the put the the crystal in the in the wine or whatever." Like he could have done that, but he didn't do that. 
Um, so it might be that she's also just not aware. Well, yeah, of, no, she were, she wasn't there for those scenes where he refuses to do that. But like like I was right. saying, it's or just, maybe you know. she wasn't aware that like when he looked at her, and um, she also might not be aware that when he looked at her and he saw this innocent thing that he didn't want to he didn't want to have sex with that was too young, um, that didn't want to have consensual sex with him, and chose not to have sex with her. Like she didn't know his reasonings. It could have she could have thought, well, he he had his whores, and so mm-hmm. he just didn't want to. So she she might not even know that it was a favor to her. So yeah, you know, it's complicated. If only these characters actually things. acted like real people and actually sat down and had a conversation. So what happened after right, Joffrey's wedding? Where did you go, Littlefinger? Did you kill him? <laughs> yeah, like, did, <laughs> like do you know that no one knows who? Like the only person, the only two people alive that know who killed Joffrey are Jamie and Cersei. Like nobody else knows. <laughs> like Tyrion is sitting there, I assume, thinking that Sansa still did it. Also, no one knows about the cat spa. The cat spa. Is oh not right. Solved. Yeah, I don't think Bran's gotten to episode one yet. Wait, no. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Never mind. No. The cat. The cat spa. The cat spa. We have no idea who set the cat spa in the show. It's probably never going to be resolved. But yeah, I mean, when he's like, "Oh, you took off right after," I, I, I assume it's, it's Tyrion was saying that, that I think you killed Joffrey. I don't know. I it's, or, it's 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 like I said it's I, I really didn't I just I just really didn't like Sansa's attitude like she and I feel like this is part of the writer's fault because Sansa had such great potential from the very first season like I feel like all the Starks are special in their own way but Sansa has almost nothing you you tried very hard to convince me that Sansa has something going on because she's unusually beautiful and you think that you know she's kind of putting like a Kind of the charms on people un, 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 unwitting, unwillingly, and oh, in the yeah, books in the books, stuff, yeah. yeah. But in the show, like Sansa's just there, and I feel as though there's a huge potential missed with her, where she she could have shown her cleverness yeah. in her own way, and maybe now, manipulate here, a Ramsay or even Littlefinger, but not really. Here's what here's what here's what she's doing right, and 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 if I'm gonna say like what's great about Sansa is she's the only one that seems to seems to care about logistics, like running Winterfell and, like, feeding people. Mm-hmm. Like, she's the only one doing that. So I'll, I grant her that, you know? And I grant her the fact that she dealt with her birthright getting stolen by John pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, all of that was done pretty well. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, she's just a weird character. I don't know if I really forgive her for, like, for, for giving up on Rickon, and hiding the army from John, um, so I, I like I was I don't know I mean I could be on board with Sansa like except for those two things are pretty big like it's hard for me to forget stuff like like I, I meet I meet people all the time like some people like some word gets around in the office they're like oh Preston I I hear you're really I hear you're really into Game of Thrones I wanted to talk to you about uh, yesterday's episode and I'm like ah oh, okay. <laughs> You know, and someone will say like, oh, my favorite character is, is, is Arya. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> like, you know, um, and so uh, Arya will be, you know, I'm like, your favorite character is someone that chopped up human beings and made them into pies. Like, 
You know, like, it's hard for me to like Sansa. Like, I don't like Sansa anymore because it's hard for me to like her when she gave up on her brother, Rickon, and hid the army from John. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I don't know how I can forgive that. Like, it's just such a bad choice. Yes, you, you, you can't forget a lot of things. You, you still can't forget Jiqui amongst, amongst other things, so. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough. But uh, speak, what, I don't know if you knew this, Preston, but Sansa is the smartest person Arya knows. I don't know if you I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> I mean, smarter than Jockin? Jockin really? Smarter than Jockin? Smarter than Tywin. 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 And she met Tywin. Smarter than Tywin. Now someone else said, well, maybe she I forget. Someone else said that the line might be the smartest woman I know. Mm. I forget. I have to go back. But still Catelyn and Melisandre are both pretty smart. So, and she's met both of them. Mm. I mean, so let's, let's talk about Arya. So Arya this episode <laughs> was not unbearable. I mean, I, I don't like how how she is now, especially with Jon. I mean, I, I feel like I would have mm-hmm. liked their reunion if this was Arya from like three seasons ago, back before she was like yes. all like egotistical and, you know, very cocksure of herself. Right. Like, like, can they, can they have a scene with her not smirking? Right. Where, where she's not like, you know, like she's ready to pick a fight with someone if they question her abilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, the the scene I with him, with her and John was yeah. was kind of cute. Uh, but what I really enjoyed the most was the scene with her and Gendry. That little flirting thing. That oh, I, by the way, I was trying to the, the 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 scene where she. So a lot of people were talking about the um, the where where John says, "Oh, you still have needle. Like, have you used it?" And she's like, "Oh, once or twice." Um, and it was very it was very uh, well acted and everything. But then I was like, "How many times has she used needle?" And I was like. It's not twice, but I, I want to say like four times. So she <laughs> you know? used needle to um, kill. She killed the little boy first, first season. season, and then again, she used it to kill that one guy in the in the tavern in season four. Right. She, yeah, I think that was Oliver. And then and then I think she killed either Rorg or Biter. Right. I don't remember. Remember they met Rorg and Biter, and then they kept. She killed that. That guy where she like dropped the coin, and then he went down to pick up the coin, and she killed somebody. But I'm not sure if she killed it with. She might have killed it. With Wait, did she ever kill the coin guy? At some point, she drops a coin in the woods. They they they're, like the hound and her just walking through the woods, and they they run along. They run into some soldiers. This is this is directly after. The oh no, she doesn't kill that those guys with needles. She kills them like with some like random knife, and 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 the, no, and the hound's okay. like, "Where'd you get the knife?" And she's like, I stole it from you. And he's like, what the fuck? Give me that. Uh, okay, you're right, because he would have taken Needle mm-hmm. from her. So, okay, so maybe either Rorg or Biter, maybe somebody in, in, the, in, the, in the tavern, um, whether it be the Tickler or Polliver or some... Oh, no, the, the Tickler dies... That's Tickler dies. In, uh, the Tickler is the first name earlier. she gives to Jockin, so it's Polliver. Yeah, that's confusing because in the book. The but are we really counting in, the fat yeah. kid in, uh, or the little boy in, um, in season one? Because that was by mistake. She didn't but, mean to do that. So Polliver, yeah. uh, are we counting the waif? Did she? Did she kill? Yeah, the waif. The waif. So I would argue maybe three or four times she's probably used it to kill yeah. someone. 
Right, right. Yeah. So, but it's funny because it's like once or twice you think like the exaggerate. It's an exaggeration of oh, she's had to use it too many mm-hmm. times, and it's like oh, you know, she had to use it. Three that's or four a fair. Times. That's a fair. It's a slight. It's, a, yeah, it's only a slight mm-hmm. exaggeration. By the way, another callback is when they uh, John and her meet back up. Um, the way they embrace each other for the first time is the same way they left each other. Like the the way they embrace, same shots uh, and everything. Uh, like the shots over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right. But um, oh, another nice. callback is in the first. Oh yeah, the kissing of the forehead. Yeah, John kisses Bran on the yeah. forehead. Yeah, <laughs> that was like <laughs> Jesus. Uh. But uh, no, um, this is all another callback. Here is um, in season one when Robert comes and he and Ned are in the crypts of Winterfell. Robert uh, tells Ned. You have a daughter. I have a son. We'll join our houses. He was clearly talking about Joffrey and Sansa, but uh, we're we're seeing maybe a little a uh, little blossom of romance between Gendry and Arya. Maybe, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. The tactic. I mean, I guess he's not of his house. I mean, Gendry is of his blood, but he's not of his mm. house. If we're if we're gonna be he's gonna, he, well, he is the last right? Baratheon technically. That's true. That's true. And 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 so. speaking of the last of his houses, I think House Umber is the second confirmed extinct house in the north right behind House Bolton. All the members of House Bolton and House Umber are confirmed to be dead. Huh. Yeah, oh man. Poor House Umber. Poor Ned. You were saying how, I don't know if you were just playing this for laughs, but you were saying like how they couldn't spare a dragon to help Ned Umber go back. I don't, after after what the Night King did to, uh, fuck, here we go again. What's that dragon's name? Visceron? Vis- Viserion, thank you. Every time, every fucking time. Um, after the, after the Night King did that to Viserion, I think they're holding back the dragons as a last resort because they don't want the Night King to have another dragon. Sure, sure, but you could at least scope the area with some crows. True, true. And some ravens and be like, whoa, 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 Night. You know, they're they're like only twenty miles out. Like, don't like. But with on. how creepy Bran you know, has they... been acting, I don't think anybody wants to go and ask him to do that. I think everybody's just trying to trying to avoid him. <laughs> just trying to avoid him at this point. Somebody did say, like, don't you think Danny should be reeling from the fact that, like, Viserion has been brought to life? Does she even know it's like, been brought isn't to life? That... Right, like, no, like, Bran says it. Bran, like, drops the oh, bomb yeah. when he's like, shut the fuck, when he's like, shut the fuck up, everybody. Like, you're, like, get to work. Like, so, really, Danny shouldn't be, like, in the next scene like dropping badass lines about how dragons eat whatever they want. She should be sitting there being like, Oh my God, like my child has been, is now a reanimated corpse. Yeah, that is that. Now that you mention it, <laughs> holy shit. Now that you mention it, that is kind of, wow. Hmm. Wow. What a, what a douche. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. They just really glossed over I feel over like that. Danny in the books would probably be like, you know, taking a chapter or two. To really like get over that, <laughs> more so than like a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, at least a couple mm-hmm. pages. <laughs> I mean, if a couple pages are given to Danny's bowel movements, you'd think a couple pages would be given to. For, for those of you who <laughs> to, are, are not aware, some of Danny's last few uh, chapters in uh, the, the latest book, A Dance of Dragons, which was released what eight years ago, uh, she does have massive <laughs> diarrhea. This is written in the books. I might have Preston do a. Uh, a reading of this, like a, maybe a two-minute reading of it with some sexy music in the background, just for the audience. Um, it's canon. It's, it's canon. canon. It's a thing. But um, no. So speaking of Ned Umber, 
we get to see Last Hearth. Now, my problem with Last Hearth is I'm a huge fan for, like, medieval, like, you know, buildings and stuff like that. I like layouts. I really thought Last Hearth looked smaller than it should have been. It looked like a, a very small outpost. You could see Last Hearth because I, I couldn't well, see um, it. Well, I, uh, I had to turn up the brightness. But, yes, I could see Last Hearth. <laughs> yes. I could see it looked like a very small little like shack for some reason. Like the basement looked bigger than the, than the upstairs. But uh, I I I gotta say the the best line in the entire episode was uh, "Stand back, he's got blue eyes." I've always had blue eyes. Like I, that's that yeah. Was, I chuckled. That. <laughs> I chuckled. But they got me. <laughs> but I gotta say I love this scene when they go down the basement and they see Ned Umber has been brutally killed. I love the horror element they're giving the night uh, the White Walkers and the Night King specifically. It is it is interesting and and it's funny that and this this will this is this is what will will not work if if in the future when people decide to binge the series is what works is. It's been two years, and so now we can we can we can um, make the 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 White Walkers a mystery again, mm. right? You know how like we've seen the White Walkers; they're out in the open. We've seen what they look like. There's no mystery, but then two years go by, you know, between seasons, and now it's like everything's back to being spooky again. Like they didn't show the White Walkers in the episode, and instead it's like this very spooky, like you know, what are they doing? Right. Like what? Are they, what do they look like? What you know? What's their nature kind mm-hmm. of thing? And you know, kind of, they. I would say they successfully, like, dialed it back. You know. Well, because when you think of how unspooky they looked like in in episode six of last season, you know, where there was just nothing creepy. Well, yeah, they them. looked like uh, I, I don't want to say generic fantasy villains, but they did look like you know fantasy villains. They looked like a couple of characters you'd fight from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. And I will say or, one of the one of the or a Mighty Morphin Tower Ranger. All right, let's not go that far. But I will say one of the best scenes for the for the White Walkers ever was the final scene from season two. I recently did a top five scenes for season two, and I really like that one scene where Sam is like shaking with fear, and he sees and he sees the White Walker on the horse, and it screeches, and you see the army of the dead, and it's like it's a, it's a very effective scene. I really like that one. It's super creepy. I enjoy it. And I did enjoy this one with that element of horror, especially the way they had Ned Umber up against the wall and like they they do the symbols again, but with body parts this time. That was crazy. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And people keep people keep asking you in specific, but you don't read your comments. What do the symbols really mean? Um, Well, no one really knows. I mean, we've got a spiral symbol and we have the theta symbol, right? The theta, yeah. We haven't seen the theta symbol in a while, though. Yeah, I mean, we saw it on the um, on the carved on the wall of the of the Dragonstone Cave, and we did see uh, um, them. They they did um, they did uh, uh, kill a bunch of wildlings in season one, episode one, the very beginning, the very first like scene we seen. We with the Night's Watch, the Rangers beyond the wall, and they're looking at the. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they did carve up those wildlings in that theta position. Yeah, in the in the very first mm-hmm. episode. So it's like, so so Ned Umber's spiral of fire is calling back, um, uh, the the um, the theta of ice in the in in the first episode. Mm, so nice. Was, no, I yeah. didn't notice that one. Good. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for 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 those that don't know about the theta, you know, it's it's there's an old George R. R. Martin story called In the House of the Worm where there are two. Um, different p- 
peoples that use thetas as their symbols, and that theta was was a sigil handed down from an old old space organization called the Earth's uh, Ecological Engineering Corps, um, which you know went around terraforming planets and causing war and all sorts of things. Um, and then it got used as these sigils for these two peoples um, in, in this story in the House of the Worm. Whether there's a connection, you know, or they're just, I don't know if it's a coincidence that it's also that there's another theta in this story or if they're paying homage or what, but nonetheless, you know, now there's, now there's this theta, so in Game of Thrones. Well, some people said that the uh, when 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 Beric lit up uh, Ned Umber's body, and the whole thing set on fire, it lo- kind of looked like the Targaryen symbol a little, the Targaryen sigil, the three dragons. Yeah, yeah, it did, and um, and and that's the thing about like, uh, like this idea of sigils being derived from things that were, that were um, meant something different. So. Uh, George R. R. Martin has a story called Dying of the Light, where there are four holdfasts, and each of the four holdfasts have sigils. And eventually, like one of the the, the holdfasts has a sigil of a, of a banshee. And this banshee, um, there's a question of like why it was their sigil, and um, eventually they kind of you, know, you get this idea that these people had a telepathic connection mm. to their banshees. And so, you know, we see this with the Starks. Like, they have a telepathic connection with these direwolves. So, of course, the direwolf, like, ends up on their flag and it becomes their sigil. You know, and so there's this idea that, like, sigils can evolve over time from things that were more meaningful in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, so there's a direwolf on the, on, on, on the, on the Stark sigil, but it's, it's a clue, a hint that in ancient times, Starks had a, a telepathic connection to direwolves. Um, and so, yeah, maybe maybe this connection of fire, um, uh, you know, and this Targaryen sigil, like, you know, derived from that symbol of, of fire as well. Hmm. And to wrap up the uh, the episode, we get the fated meeting again between Jamie and Bran. Well done. I, I, I liked it. I, I'm that's the big thing. I'm looking forward to the next episode like what what would you say to someone (laughs) you know (laughs) you know what would you say to someone like oh i'm sorry i tossed you out a window eight years ago i love how he says to he says to 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 sam early in the episode i'm waiting for a friend (laughs) did you wait there all fucking night holy shit Yeah, it's a joke. That is that is a jo- that people have been joking around because Bran almost all of his scenes are in the courtyard, mm-hmm. and, and and like granted, he's supposed to be rolling himself inside, mm-hmm. you know, getting napping and then waking up early in the morning and rolling himself out. But how, you know, like who's helping him? Does he say to a servant, "No, it's okay, leave me here in the middle of winter at night in this in this courtyard because I'm waiting for a friend." Yeah, <laughs> he's bound to come out of this. He's bound to come out of the library anytime. I would love it if, like, the the, the whole the, there's like a developing friendship between Bran and, and Jamie now, where Jamie just pushes Bran around because he can't fight anymore. He just pushes uh, Jamie uh, Bran around, and you know Jamie takes over the role of uh, that Mira had. So, 
Oh, okay. Poor, Poor man. man. <laughs> Did we miss anything? I feel... Oh, we missed uh, Braun. I mean, not really much to, to say on that one besides, you know, the prostitutes mentioning Ed Sheeran's character. Uh, Kyburn coming to, to Braun, giving him the crossbow, which I don't think he's going to go through with it, of course. I really don't. Yeah, and you know what? That's What's interesting is that's the most we've ever heard about Kyburn's backstory, was the fact that like he thought he was going to die poor, and his motivation is power. Like, we, we've never had any motivation for, for or, or backstory to Kyburn at all, and that's that's the most we've ever gotten. That's not true. We, we yeah. um, Back in season three, um, Jamie, it was episode eight, I believe, right before Jamie goes back to rescue Brienne in season three, Jamie's asking uh, Kyburn, so what's your story? Did you get expelled for the Citadel for touching, you know, little boys or something? And... Uh, uh, and Kyburn goes, oh, I was a little too curious, you know, with certain things and blah, 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 blah. So, I mean. Right, right. Get kicked out of the Citadel for experimentation. Right. Yeah. So we, we get a hint as to it. But here, I guess we get a, a bit more. Yeah. We still don't know how he ended up in Hall, found by Rob. Right, right. Actually, well, wasn't he with uh, Tywin before Rob found him? We don't know. So his first appearance in the show is um, is when Rob found him. Like almost Rob goes into Heron. Rob goes into Heron Hall and finds that there's been a slaughter, right. and everybody's dead except for because the, the Lannisters abandoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I I forget who slaughtered all of the most the, likely um, the mountains. Everybody men. there. Yeah, but yeah, but I don't know, but because but why why slaughter your own people? Probably because they didn't want to take them with them. Probably because uh, they wanted to demoralize the uh, the northern forces who are going to be stationed there. Maybe it's because they had a limited supply of food, so they could take everybody with them, um, and they didn't want to risk those people going off and telling the northern army information, troop yeah. troop count. Yeah, it's it's a really weird scene, but nonetheless, we find we find. Uh, Heron Hall abandoned with with bodies everywhere, and for some reason, Kyburn's there. We have no idea what he was doing, and he's barely surviving. But Rob like nurses him back mm-hmm. to health, and then he becomes the maester for Heron Hall while, while Roose Bolton is stationed there. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, I would love it if, if towards the very end of the show, Kyburn somehow survives the whole thing. He he somehow survives <laughs> and just goes off into Essos and disappears. I really want that ending for like someone who's like kind of despicable. You know, like there aren't that many despicable characters left. But no, that's the yeah, that's the ending I wanted for Littlefinger. That Sansa exiles him from 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 the north, tells him to leave, go and never return. Don't doesn't even give him a horse. And the last time we see Littlefinger, he's walking into the forest into the darkness, and we never see him again. His fate is left unknown, and for viewers' viewers' interpretation. I would want something like that yeah, for Kyburn, because Kyburn's not that evil. Nah. Well, I mean, show Kyburn is... Well, I mean... Show Kyburn is only slightly evil. I mean, he did kill Pycelle, and he did come up with the plan for destroying the, uh, the Seth. Right. But it was Cersei who implemented so, the whole thing. She's pulling the strings. Right. So, but book book. I mean, it's true that book book yeah. Kyburn is much much more mm-hmm. evil. But um, he's you know he's evil. But you know it's like these degrees of evil. Like jo- you know, it's like Joffrey's not as bad as Ramsay. <laughs> you know things like that. So is there anything we're missing from this episode? I feel like there's something we're missing. Maybe 
God, I've seen I've seen it yeah. three times, but like I I'm drawing a blank here. There was something we did you find something? No, no, I think uh, I think we we covered we covered a lot. It was mostly it was mostly reunions, and I can't say much except that you know there's a lot of characters, not much to do, and we covered all the we covered all the the, the important. Beats. You know, it's funny. Like everybody was complaining, like nothing happened. Yeah, first off, guys, like, a lot of you guys hate watch this show. And I get it, you know, it's not as great as season one, two, three, and even four in some regards. Um, but you keep saying nothing happened. It's a setup episode. The first episode is always a setup episode to, so, you know, update us on, you know, what happened in the yeah. last episode of the, the final episode of the last season. To set up what's going on, where our characters are, and how they're going to go forward into the season, and sometimes even foreshadow things. Like how uh, in the beginning of season four, Five, Cersei starts up going up the Sept to bury Tywin. At the end of season five, she uh, is coming down the Sept to do her walk of shame. So, I mean, you know, it does a lot of foreshadowing. But I will say that uh, you guys love to hate watch this show. If, if, If this entire episode was battle, 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 you would complain that... What about all the reunions? Like, everybody's just there and no one's gonna talk to each other, acknowledge that they have history with each other? Come on. No, they did. They did their best um, to have the reunions. They got them all out of the way. Now we don't have to deal with them, right? As much. As much. You know? I mean, I, so. I think the only other reunion to have left is between Ed from the Night's Watch and Tormund, and I think that's it. That's that's everybody else. Yeah. Uh, maybe Mira. The Jamie. The, 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 the Jamie stuff. The Jamie situation. And the one thing I will say that is kind of atrocious is that the episode was around forty-eight to fifty minutes long, and everybody loves to argue with me on this, guys. Please do not include the like last time on Game of Thrones segment or the opening right. and the inside the episode, like the behind right. the scenes stuff and the ending <clears throat> stuff. Like that's not content. You're a, fr- a friend of a friend of mine on Facebook actually posted. You know, sometimes I watch Game of Thrones and I and I and I I'm loving it, and then I look at the at the time left and it says like twenty minutes, and I'm like yes. And she, you know, she said it like unironically, but I was like twenty minutes left means like. The episode's almost over. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, there's a lot of after material. The inside the episode, the previews from next time, the HBO ad. Like, you know, I, for, I, for whatever, for for season two of The Deuce or whatever they're putting uh, in. I, you know? I, I always never watch that. Um, I always never watch the behind the scenes stuff because I really don't don't care that much. I know a lot of other people do, and that's fine. But I'm, I'm coming here for the content. I'm coming here for the meat and bones, the actual episode. I, I even yeah. skip the intro most the, of the time. The uh, the inside the episodes, it, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of nonversations. As nonversations, they say, you know. It's, yeah, it's it's them talking and saying very mm-hmm. little. You know, like very you know, obvious stuff. You know, you know, it's like Benioff sitting there going, "Well, you know, uh, you know, John and Arya haven't haven't seen each other in a long time, so you know, when they." When they see each other, it's you know it's a really powerful and uh, an emotional scene. You're like, yeah, fuck, of course. <laughs> like, I love your be- I love your Betty off impression. <laughs> oh, by the way, I gotta fucking say, I gotta say this before I, I I I forget it. I was watching your review. I fucking died laughing when the lamp came up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shade of lamp. Hello there. <laughs> what the fuck? He's a, he's a he's a fan he's a fan favorite he's a fan favorite comes out of nowhere, guys. If you haven't seen Preston's review, check it out. Like it's uh, it comes out of fucking the voice you give it. Jesus Christ, is that supposed to be robotic or demonic? God damn, dude. 
<laughs> it's yeah, it's the it's uh on Final Cut Ten, it's the Android voice. Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, but Preston, let's let's wrap right. this up, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, you know, SoundCloud, iTunes. Leave your thoughts and comments down below. And Preston, do me a favor, for the love of God, please don't upload it late again because so many people were bitching at me. Carmine, why isn't Preston uploading? Is he okay? Can you check in? I'm not his fucking keeper. Like I don't like. I, Please, Preston. Please upload like I, the day after the episode comes out. I, I, I work as I work as fast as I can. Jesus Christ! Were people bugging you too? Oh yeah, like all all over. People are just like just wondering when it's coming out. Is it coming? Guys, if you if, if you it's really like, want to know when it's coming out, just email him. I promise he reads all his fucking emails. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.